As I've been thinking about this message that John had, it's just struck me where he was preaching this message. Out in the wilderness. But then earlier this week, somebody reminded me about the Jordan River and what happened there hundreds of years before John the Baptist got there. Hundreds of years before John the Baptist was preaching there, the Israelites were crossing over that Jordan River into Canaan for the first time. They were coming up from the banks of the Jordan into this new life that God had promised and freely given. Whenever it was that you walked from the font, or maybe you were carried away from the font, you were being ushered into a new life. A new life that God has promised and freely given. You have been made alive in Christ, and you are bearing fruit. The following is a sermon from Peace Lutheran, a church located in downtown Aiken, South Carolina. For more information and for more content, go to peaceinaken.com. The Gospel according to Luke chapter 3. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What should we do then? The crowd asked. John answered, Anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none, and anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. This is the gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. This third Sunday in Advent is called Gaudita Sunday. That's Latin. And I, under, I understand why you may not care so much about the historical Latin name for this particular Sunday, but I'm sort of a Latin geek. I took Latin in high school. I was even in Latin club. And so as I was preparing for this service and I saw that, it caught my eye, Gaudita. It means to rejoice, and it's a command word. 
We had that command to rejoice in our other readings from Philippians and from Zephaniah. But then we get here to John the Baptist. And I wonder, did he, did he miss the memo for this Sunday? Because the command that I see there is to bear fruits of repentance. I may not be able to convince you that Latin is a really cool language to learn, but I want to try and convince you that John isn't far off and that there is joy even in the most unlikely of places. Try to take yourself there to John's church service. It's a little bit different. It wasn't in a nice church building in downtown Jerusalem, but it was out in the wilderness. And the outfits that people wearing, were wearing, they were a bit eclectic, you could say. Try to picture it. You've got the soldiers. They're wearing their armor, their helmets, and, and they're, they're holding their shiny weapons. And then you've got the crowds whose clothes are just sopping wet, just dripping wet with water. And then you've got the preacher who's wearing an outfit made of camel's hair. You've got the tax collectors, the wealthy people of society, probably wearing really expensive clothes, nice sandals, gold jewelry. And then you've got the Pharisees, the religious leaders walking into all of this, and they're wearing their traditional religious outfits. They are ornate robes with blue stripes. And so they walk into this very non-traditional gathering led by John in the wilderness. And John sees them coming, and he doesn't let them off the hook. He doesn't let them just sneak into the back pew, but he calls out to them. He says, you brood of vipers. With a sermon introduction like that, you know that John has got quite the message to deliver. And so he tells the people, bear fruits of repentance. Because a tree that doesn't bear good fruit, it's, it's good for nothing. It's cut down and it's thrown into the fire. Pretty joyful, huh? You have to look for it, though. You have to look past the scowls on the Pharisees. You have to look past the stern expression on the preacher's face. Maybe look past some of those stoic expressions on the soldier's. Look to the river. Who might you see there? I see this older gentleman slowly walking up from the Jordan River. And beneath his dripping white beard is this beaming smile. A smile that hasn't been there in many years. Joy in the most unlikely of places. Joy that can only come from the news of sins forgiven. And those people in the crowds, they had had that moment in the river too. And so after hearing this, this message of repentance from John, the people are asking the exact right question. What should we do then? They've been in the river, they've been filled with that joy of sins forgiven, and now they want to bear fruits. They just need to know how. They, need to, they want to know what this life after the Jordan River is all about. And John will tell them that the joy doesn't stop at the Jordan, but it flows into every channel of life. He goes right down the list in answering them. He tells the people, if you have an extra shirt, share it with somebody who doesn't. 
He says to the tax collectors, don't collect more taxes than you've been ordered to. And he says to the soldiers, don't abuse your power and be content with your pay. Those answers from John should strike you. You'd think coming from a preacher like this, his, he'd have something a bit more profound to tell these people. But his answers are really simple if you think about it. Notice he doesn't tell the soldiers to become pacifists. He doesn't tell the wealthy tax collectors to trade in their clothes and put on camel hair and join him in the river. He doesn't even tell the crowds to take this message and spread it all over the world. He doesn't do that. He says, do what you're doing and help people out along the way. Despite the unusual nature of it all, John got his message across. And that shouldn't surprise us, really. I think sometimes people think John the Baptist was just this sort of wacko preacher out in the wilderness. But Jesus will say of him that there was no one greater than John. God had chosen John the Baptist to prepare the way for his one and only son, Jesus Christ. And so John was out there in the wilderness preaching this message of of repentance, God's message of repentance and forgiveness, and powerful things were happening. The gospel was being preached, and new life was growing in the most unlikely of places. And that life was bearing fruit in the most unsuspecting of ways. I wonder if you and I can't find some joy in that this morning. Let me try and show you three different places where you can find joy. Here's the first one. You are bearing good fruit. That is a miracle. Now let me explain. Maybe maybe this story will help. As Kyla and I were settling into our apartment, we wanted to buy a couple more plants just to sort of spruce up the place. And so being the generation that we are, instead of going to a local nursery and finding a nice quality plant, what did we do? We ordered it on Amazon. I know, I know. And so this this box comes from Amazon. Uh, We ordered 12 little air plants. And we open that box, and two of them are just completely zapped. Nothing that we could do about it. They were just dead on arrival. Paul actually uses that kind of language to talk about the way that we entered the world. We were dead in our transgression and sin, and there was nothing that we could do about it. But this little analogy with the Amazon plants, it doesn't quite capture it, because at one point, before we opened that box, those plants were alive. At some point. Maybe you know where I'm going. David tells it to us just how it is. He's the one who says, Surely I was sinful from birth. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. So even before we were born, when we were smaller than a seed, things weren't looking so good. John's sermon comes to mind. A tree that doesn't bear good fruit is cut down. And dead trees don't bear good fruit. As I've been thinking about this message that John had, it's just struck me where he was preaching this message. Out in the wilderness. But then earlier this week, somebody reminded me 
about the Jordan River and what happened there hundreds of years before John the Baptist got there. Hundreds of years before John the Baptist was preaching there, the Israelites were crossing over that Jordan River into Canaan for the first time. They were coming up from the banks of the Jordan into this new life that God had promised and freely given. Whenever it was that you walked from the font, or maybe you were carried away from the font, you were being ushered into a new life. A new life that God has promised and freely given. You have been made alive in Christ, and you are bearing fruit. Now, some of you may think, no, not me, I, I'm, not, I'm not bearing good fruit. Some of you may be better at recognizing the failures than you are at recognizing the fruits. But I know they're there because Christ is there. And where Christ is, there is life. And there is growth, even in the most unlikely of places. That's the first one. Secondly, bear the fruit that you have been called to bear. These words are engraved into our identity as a church. Now, you're not going to find any language of fruit, but what you will find is that as a church, peace strives to be vocational. To pick up the fruit analogy, that means that an apple tree produces apples. It means that a tax collector collects taxes. To live vocationally is to live the life that Christ has given you. To do what you're doing. I think it's, it's easy for us to get this sort of hero complex. And we think that in order to really praise God, we need to do something extreme. We need to hop on an airplane, fly across the world, and dig wells for other people. Now, we, we certainly could do that. But we can also praise God in the simple things. In the backyard, watering the garden. Even if you think that you lead the most boring and bland life of all of your friends, know that Christ doesn't see it that way. He sees the way that you're living out your life, all your various callings and roles, and he rejoices. To Christ, this is the freshest and most exotic of fruits. Days spent at home with the kids may just feel like tedious chores, picking up toys all day long. But to Jesus, this is the most beautiful and precious of fruits. Because what makes fruits of faith good is not how we perceive their size or their quantity, but the fact that these fruits are rooted in Christ. And so find joy in all the things, big or small, in your life that make your life your life. And finally, bear fruit that can be enjoyed by others. There's more to John's sermon here than meets the eye. Packed into his instruction to the crowds, there's this possibility of bringing joy to other people. There's the recipient of an extra cloak, the pocketbook of the taxpayer, and the protection of a citizen. Additionally, you notice that all these crowds are coming to the Jordan. They're being brought together. They're being brought together around a common mission and a common hope. That Christ is coming. 
we're gathered here on a street corner in downtown Aiken in this beautiful church. And we're all sorts of different people come from all sorts of different places gathered around a common mission, gathered around a common hope that Christ is coming. And so right here, as we're gathered here, there are so many opportunities that we have to bring joy to one another. I think about those kids ringing the bells. I don't know if if their faces, their smiling faces were bigger or the people in the congregation. But besides just worshiping, there are so many more opportunities. I just want to show you a couple of those. Take, Take the live stream, for example. If you Say you were to volunteer to learn how to run the live stream. Think about how much joy you're actually bringing to people. Think about all the people that are hearing this gospel message on the internet because of the fruit you are bearing. Or Peace has this meal team that prepares food. I can't even begin to tell you the joy that Kyla and I had coming home from the hospital with Ezra to all these home-cooked meals. We felt so loved. It was such a gift. And it brought us closer to the people, too, because they stopped by our home, and we got to talk with them. We got to introduce them to our little baby. There are about a dozen other opportunities that I could list that all have the same result. Finding joy and sharing joy with one another. And these opportunities keep going as we walk out the doors this Sunday morning. Remember John's advice, his his answers to the crowd. He tells the tax collectors to keep being tax collectors. And the soldiers keep being soldiers. And so this joy doesn't stop at the Jordan. Rejoicing doesn't stop on the last song on a Sunday morning. But it continues and it spreads to others as we live our everyday lives. In the office with committed co-workers. In your child's bedroom with a nighttime devotion. On the tennis courts with a new friend. Joy in all channels of life to be shared with all sorts of people. The people who are going out to the Jordan River to see John, they didn't know exactly what they were in for. It was quite the experience for sure. And in a sense, they went back home and not much had changed. The soldier went back to his barracks, the tax collector to his booth. But everything had changed. Because these crowds had found true joy in the most unlikely of places. Out in the wilderness, they had heard the gospel of Christ, that their Savior was coming. It's the third Sunday in Advent, Gaudita. Rejoice. Christ is coming. Amen. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Lord, you alone are the source of our joy. Continue to strengthen and grow us into your children until the day you gather us and take us to be with you forever. In your Son's name we pray.